We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Breaking news, Terry Rozier. He'll be the next starting point guard of the Charlotte Hornets. Step back, wide open, and it's good! Terry Rozier! All right, what's going on, everyone? And welcome in to another BuzzBeat, your favorite Charlotte Hornets podcast. You can follow us at BuzzBeatPod on Twitter and find our episodes on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, or wherever you prefer to listen to our episodes. Um, I'd actually like to know more about what you know, what apps you guys use. I, I always use uh, Apple Podcasts. I know that Brian used Spotify, and I know that Spencer, who I have on today, also uses Apple Podcasts. But if you guys use something different, you know, maybe you like the the features a little bit better. Let us know. Uh, again, this is Richie, and I'll be joined by co-host Spencer today. Uh, if you want to follow us on our personal accounts, I am at Richie Randall, and Spencer is at QCH Spencer on Twitter. Spencer, how's everything going in the uh, the Percy household? It's good. I've been uh, on the road all week. Sometimes my job takes me on the road. So I've I've been uh, started in Mississippi, was there on uh, Monday night, Tuesday morning, then made my way to Tallahassee via the air and uh, drove my way to a few different meetings. Now I'm in Tampa. So I'll end up in Miami for a wedding this weekend. So it's been, uh, yeah, it's been a lot of road time, but that's what the job calls on sometimes. So nice to break that up and talk a little uh, most exciting time of the year, Hornets trade season. Yes, all the uh, the hypothetical trade talks. It's not necessarily something that I like talking about, but I know a lot of listeners like to throw out some trades out there and if the Hornets are going to make a move. We actually asked on Twitter for any kind of trade-related questions or trade proposals and if you actually thought the Hornets were going to make a move before February 6th, uh, I think most of our listeners really didn't have questions. They're more just statements about, hey, you know, we don't think the Hornets are going to do anything. So, again, the trade deadline is Thursday, February 6th at 3 p.m. Eastern. At the time of the recording, it's less than two weeks away. Uh, so we're going to look at some possible fake trades, look at this roster and see which players are probably the most likely to be traded. And also just share your thoughts from Twitter. So like I mentioned just just now, most of you guys thought that the Hornets really would just sit this one out. Obviously, there's a couple of different directions that the Hornets can go here. They could sit it out and just let these contracts expire and start fresh uh, and start this rebuilding process a little bit 
uh, you know, without the strings attached involved here, uh, it, whether it's this summer or next summer when the cap starts to open up a little bit more, Hornets are going to have a ton of money to spend in the summer of 2021. Or they could make a trade, you know, trade one of these players like Biz or Marvin or MKG or or Cody Zeller and uh, see what you can get back. But I think sometimes when you do that and you try to get draft picks back or something like that, you're going to have to take on some lengthier salary in the process. So I think the benefit of sitting this one out, Spencer, that there are fewer strings attached, uh, but also you don't get the opportunity to maybe add a future piece. So Spencer, I want to throw it to you. Do you agree with our listeners in saying that the Hornets will sit this deadline out? And if you had to put money or a percentage on it, What's that percentage that they actually make a trade? Um, you know, I think they're going to try to make a trade. Uh, I think it's going to be close. I mean, I, if I had to put a percentage on it, I would say it's 55%. The Hornets will make a trade. 45 they won't. Um, I, You know, what leads me to that answer is you know, the fact that I don't think they're going to be active in free agency summer. So I think they're going to try to use this, you know, this trade period to – either under some some longer term contracts and and gain assets through that which we've distuck, uh, discussed at you know the point of exhaustion really since Kimba left or use a guy like Malik Monk to you know the the popular term is challenge trade you know to 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 send him somewhere else take on another player on a rookie contract and see if you can start to build um you know forward with that player or you package Monk with one of our expiring contracts that way you know, you're able to get something back you, again that you can start building uh, towards the future with. So there's a lot of different directions the Hornets can go in here. You know, I think that they have a pretty valuable, two pretty valuable, three <laughs> expiring contracts in Bismack Biombo, Michael K. Gilchrist, um, Marvin, and and Marvin Williams. And those are all those all carry pretty good numbers you know mkg's 13 marvin's 15 biz is 17 so you know there's a lot of different uh variations of trades you can do with a number like that but you know the question becomes is it just hey here's an expiring contract give us something back with two or three years that's going to give you some um some cap flexibility looking down the road and throw us an asset with that a draft pick whatever it might be um or again it's 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 packaging a malik monk you know i think the miles bridges we if you read the tea leaves, you can kind of see that Monk, and this has been true in the past, his name's being floated. We haven't seen like a Miles Bridges name floated, but I, you know, I wouldn't count him out here either. So, you know, everyone else on this roster, I, I just don't, I don't know where the the value is. I think Cody Zeller's interesting, but there's just not that many teams out there looking for a center for what he brings you. Like I think Boston maybe, you know, mm-hmm. for Zeller, but I think they would make a trade there thinking about going against Joel Embiid. So, anyways, I, I'm rambling now, um, so I digress. But but I do think there's a good chance the Hornets make a trade here. Yeah, I actually have it the opposite of you. I, I have 45%. If I had to put my money on it and I had to put a percentage out there, I would say 45% they make a move. Uh, and 55% that they don't. So we're basically in the same ballpark here. But you bring up a lot of good points in the sense that, you know, this free agency class is not a great one. And I don't think the Hornets are going to be big players uh, with that. And so maybe, you know, instead of building through free agents, especially considering the market that Charlotte is in, a lot of times when they're they're competing against other teams, they're going to have to overpay for some of these players to, to bring them to Charlotte until they establish themselves as a winner. And so... A lot of times the Hornets have to build their team through the draft, which they haven't done 
a great job of doing um, in the past couple of seasons with uh, Mitch Kupchak. I think their draft prospects have been good or they can make a trade. But I, for just for like the month, like if you told me, hey, make make a decision right now. Are they going to make a trade or not? I lean towards no, but I'm, I'm right there on the bubble at 45 percent. I do think, like you said, they could make a trade on the margins, if you want to call it, and, and trade Malik Monk for another young piece that's out there that, you know, maybe they both need a change of scenery. And maybe we'll talk about Monk and a potential trade towards the end of this podcast. But there's been some rumors out there that Malik Monk and New York Knicks, that the, 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 that name and that team have always somewhat been linked. And uh, the Knicks did pass on him, I believe, uh, when they had the opportunity to draft him. And somehow he fell in Charlotte's lap. But that, that's a different conversation for a different day, uh, the Donovan Mitchell debate there. So I'm, I'm kind of right there with you, Spencer. I, I think that there is uh, you know, a positive in making a trade. But I also think that maybe sitting this deadline out wouldn't be the worst thing in the world. So let's go ahead and get into, if you were to rank the top three Hornets to be traded, the most likely candidates, not the ones that you want to move, but just if you were to rank the top three Hornets to be moved at this deadline, who would they be? Let's, let's just go one by one. Who do you think is the one player on this roster that, if you had to put money on it, would be the one that got moved? Uh, I think it has to be Marvin. You know, I mean, number one, he's an expiring contract at a pretty good number, $15 million, so that's valuable. And then number two, he can actually bring something to the court that, that teams are going to... I think value. I mean, he's he's obviously perfect for any locker room. Uh, he's a three and D guy that can guard up a position, probably more so that he can, he can guard down a position. But his physicality in the playoffs, I would think, has to carry some extra value. Um, you know, I look at a team like Dallas right now that just lost Dwight Powell, and you know, I think Marvin Williams isn't isn't. Um, as nuclear of a rim diver and a guy that can play around the rim and be the screen setter that Pow is, but but he's a, a pretty good replacement on an expiring contract if right. if that's what Dallas is looking for. So I'd say number one would be Marvin. I agree. That's what I had for my top Hornet to be traded. All the reasons you just stated, I think most contending teams – you know, might not make a move for a rental, but they would probably hope that, you know, Marvin could bring something on the buyout market. But I, I just don't think that the Hornets are going to go that direction with Marvin uh, with the buyout. I think that if we were going to trade him or we were going to move him, it would be through a trade. You know, even at the age of 33, he would add an ability and a toughness on the defensive side. I think most playoff teams would just love the locker room presence uh, that he has and the ability to stretch the floor. I do think his value has dropped over the course of the season. I'm not sure why, just based on the eye test. But I, I still think you can get a draft pick uh, for him. I think the difficult part with Marvin and just any of these guys is just matching of the salary. So if Dallas is that team that we make the trade with, you just got to kind of have to look at their roster and see you know, which players match up. And I, I swear, I, I thought I read somewhere that, that Joe Kim Noah was a potential candidate to replace. I thought maybe uh, the Mavericks reached out to him to replace Dwight Powell. Did you read that too? I think I did see yeah. something about that. I, I didn't read anything in, <laughs> in depth, but I mean, the, the contract that matches up with Dallas is Courtney Lee. Okay. And, that, yeah, yeah. The, and, and he's an expiring, they're almost identical. So I would think in that trade, like Dallas is saying, they're just going to give us, I don't know, you, you probably like a top 50 protected second round. I don't know if you're really going to get anything from Dallas there. Cause she's like, well, we're just switching expiring yeah. contracts. And Charlotte would say, yeah, but you're getting the player that can actually produce yes. something on the floor where we're just getting, we're just getting a contract. So, but yeah, it's not like, I think he could help Dallas 
uh, in theory, but like that's not going to be one of those sexy trades where Horns fans get all excited no. about. That's just like a last second. Okay, here's a player who can help you give us whatever you're going to give us. Yeah, it seems like Hornets would have more of the leverage in that deal, and they may be able to get a pick out of that. Williams for Lee straight up and a pick because I don't think that the Hornets are in a position where they have to trade Marvin. They can keep him for the rest of the season and just kind of see how that goes. All right, let's go to our number two Hornet to be moved. And I'm going to go, I'm going to go Malik Monk. I think he is this young piece that still supposedly has some kind of in- intrigue out there. Uh, his three-point shot really never has developed, but the ability to play make and the ability to attack the rim this season uh, has been very promising. And off the top of my head, I really can't think of another player that matches his salary that's out there that's in a similar position as him in terms of just, you know, wanting that, you know, that scenery switch. But I do see how a trade for him could work. A young player for a young player, you know, you can make that happen. Uh, Rod Boone of The Athletic did predict that he would be traded this calendar year, but he did kind of uh, throw a caveat in there. Maybe it would be over the off, you know, the off season during the summer. So Malik Monk is my number two Hornet to be moved. What about you? Yeah, I have Monk here too. I mean, I, he's got more value just in terms of intrigue and a guy who's on a rookie contract uh, of anybody else on this roster. And look, the Hornets have have been in the rumor mill for shopping him for a few seasons now. So you kind of have to assume at this point that his name has been floated out there. I mean, sure, Ian Begley uh, in New York didn't just come out, up with that out of midair. I mean, I, I Certainly somebody is floating this out there once again with Monk. So I'm sure conversations are going on. Um, I This probably wouldn't be a popular trade with Hornets fans, but I tend to be somewhat intrigued by a Frankie Smokes, Frank Nielakina, Malik Monk swap. They were both drafted the same year. They have fairly identical contracts, but um, Frankie Smokes is a little bit more expensive because he was drafted higher. But I, I think Frank could be a better fit on Charlotte's roster with Terry Rozier and Devontae Graham. But really take Rozier out of the equation. Think about Frank's fit with Graham, getting him off the ball more often. I, I kind of like that. So, yeah. But I, I know that won't be popular. And I've got another really good challenge trade later that involves Monk, but I'll save that one. Okay, yeah, save that one. But as far as Frank Nielakina goes, I, I, I'm on the fence like you. I'm a little bit intrigued by that because of his versatility, you know, on both sides of the ball. And like you said, get, getting Devontae off ball a little bit more. This guy has a little bit more versatility than Monk, who is undersized and is a shooting guard, but has some point guard skills. So, you know, Monk has never really developed that shot. And I, to be honest with you, Spencer, I don't think he really ever will. Like, he's not showing tremendous strides from behind the arc. I will say that I love his passing, and I love the fact that he's attacking the rim. And I actually lean towards keeping him this trade deadline unless some kind of trade, you know, intrigues me like that or blows my socks off. I don't know if that's the trade that does it. I would have to see it for it to happen. That's why I don't really like to talk about hypotheticals here. But yeah, that does intrigue me with uh, Frank Nielakina. So let's go to number three. I'll let you start with this one. I think there's, I debated this one, uh, but who's the third uh, Hornet here that you think is the most likely to be moved? Yeah, this one's tough. I, you know, it comes down to three names, Cody Zeller, MKG, and Bismack Biombo. I, I, I think I just, I have to go with Biz probably just because of the $17 million number. I mean, that's, you know, you, you could take back something at the $20 million range. I, I tried to work something with a team like Portland, who they made a trade last week 
involving Kent Bazemore, you know, getting off a few contracts. It was very clear that was step one for them getting under the tax. I do think they'll they'll find a way to get there. But it was hard to work a trade with them because they just they have Dame, CJ, McCollum, Hassan Whiteside's huge expiring contract. And then after that, they just they don't really have anything that would that would match up with Charlotte that number one gets Portland under the tax. Number two keep Charlotte under the tax. So you got to remember Charlotte doesn't have that much breathing room when it comes to big contracts. So, uh, but, but there's probably another deal out there where you, if, if a team is honest with themselves at the deadline says, look, we need to get under the tax and we just need to create more breathing room because of the things we got coming this off season. Then that $17 million number for Bizback is, uh, is pretty valuable. I, I think to other teams, but um, you know, but again, like I said earlier, I mean, I, I would put MKG last of the three, you know, yeah. I mentioned here, but Cody Zeller, like I, I do think, and I, I should have spent more time earlier really searching for teams, but if you look at his raw numbers and you look at his defensive impact numbers at the rim, they're good. They're above average. Right. Um, they're borderlining like excellent. So I look at a team like Boston, I'm like, look, I know you just want to get a center, a, a shot blocking center. What you mean? Cantor's not that against Joel. <laughs> Yeah, I don't think. Unfortunately for them, I don't think Cantor's going to going to provide that for them. But like, you know, you've seen uh, Clint Capella's name kind of floated for Boston. But I, I just I don't know. Zeller seems like a better offensive fit for kind of what they do, or maybe not better than Capella, but can equal that and and gives you some physicality. Yeah. I just he makes a little bit of sense for Boston. Yeah, reunite with Kemba, man. Yeah, I know. Yeah, yeah. You know, so yeah. I I debated this third one too uh, with MKG, like you said, Biz and Zeller. I actually went Zeller here. I think Zeller is more likely to be moved than Biombo. And I think if we're going to get off an expiring, it's going to be in the form of Marvin. But you know, Zeller obviously he he has a contract this season for the rest of this season and next year as well. I did struggle with this one, but I just think that he offers, like you're mentioning a better on-court product than MKG, a better on-court product than Biombo. So a team that is looking to add a center like Boston, you know, you can plug this guy in and he's going to play right away uh, he, and he's going to offer some things that obviously Biz would not. Uh, he's just a better player than Biz. And I think you can look at it this way too. You know, obviously if you were going to get Biz or if you're going to get MKG, they're both expirings. How many of these teams that are out there that are, that are in the playoff hunt are going to want to compete with the free agents and the crop of free agents in 2020. Zeller, you have them for one more season. Uh, so if they wanted to make a playoff run this season and next season, you have a guy that can play both ways, a versatile player. You know, I, I just can't see it happening, but I do think that Zeller is probably more likely to be moved than, say, MKG or uh, Biombo here. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think it's a good point. I mean, like you think of a team like the Clippers, I think that there's some thought they need to get a little bit bigger. Uh, of course they got Zubach who is their ceremonial starting center. And then, you know, Harold needs at least, I don't know, somewhere in between 20 and 25 minutes a game, uh, if not more. Um, so I don't know where he would fit into. I don't know how those, you know, is it Harkless and Zubach, but you know, Cody Zeller, maybe he can help the Clippers, you know, out there in the West. So there are, uh, there's certainly some workable trades, I think for him, but the, the question for Zeller comes down to what is his real value in the marketplace? And that's where I just, I don't know. You know, I, I, I assume that as Hornets fans, we overvalue Zeller. Uh, his raw numbers are always pretty positive. His, his advanced numbers are good. Like they always are again, this season, he was phenomenal with Kimba in the past. So, I would like to think there's value for him out there, but yeah. at 15 million, 
maybe there's not. So yeah. it's hard. It's just hard to wrap your arms around that one. I feel like he's a polarizing player. I know, I know that sounds kind of weird to, to label Zeller as polarizing. I think even within the Hornets community, some just don't think that he's worth anything, while others maybe overvalue you know his ability to play defense, his ability to keep things moving on the offensive end. And clearly, he's going to fall somewhere in between. But I, I do think that teams value him around the league. Whether or not they want to pay this guy for this season and next season uh, to be a borderline starter center, that's another question. Now, another center that's been brought up a lot in trade rumors, I think a lot of Hornets fans keep clamoring, hey, maybe we should go after this guy. Does a trade make sense for Dwayne Dedman? He has fallen completely out of the rotation with Sacramento here. Uh, he's making $13 million this season and next season, and then he has like a partially guaranteed contract uh, in the 21-22 season. Uh, he's a center that has really just started shooting threes in the last handful of years uh, when he got to the the Hawks under uh, Budenholzer originally, uh, and then Pierce kind of unleashed it as well uh, when he took over. He's a good rebounder, relatively good defender, a little bit older, but uh, I definitely think there's something there with him. Uh, he just is not playing the amount of minutes that he would like. But again, he's also on the downswing of his career. So if you were to be trading for this guy, obviously you would want to send out maybe a Biz or a Cody, I guess. I, I don't know if I would send Cody to, to Sacramento. That would not be fair to, to him. But clearly, we're kind of overloaded with the center position, even though I feel like our center position is not that great with, uh, you know, with Billy, Biz, and Cody. Cody's really the only good center on our roster. Does that make sense to make a trade for Dwayne Dedman? And is there a trade out there that you maybe have come up with that could work? I, I will say that British Buzz, uh, a listener of the show, he did come up with one. Bismack for uh, Deadman plus Golden State Warriors second round pick, I guess is owed to Sacramento. That's going to be this season. And then Portland's second round pick that's owed to Sacramento in 2024. So two second round picks and Deadman for Bismack. Does that trade make sense or does any trade for Deadman make sense? And how do you view him as a player? That, that trade makes some sense. I, I think Deadman is worth taking a swing at if you're a team like Charlotte, you know, kind of a... Uh, make good opportunity. We've got the cap space. I know this contract hasn't worked out so far, but look, we're only halfway through the, the first season uh, of you signing this three-year deal. We're not that far removed from him being a pretty impactful player in Atlanta. Um, you know, can stretch the floor, can protect the rim, you know, runs the floor real well. I, I think I think he could be a pretty good fit with Devontae Graham, a little 1-5, you know, pick and roll, a guy that doesn't only roll, but certainly can pop and make a play, and he's not a ter terrible passer. So, there, there's definitely uh, there's definitely something that makes sense here because number one you can you can talk yourself into the idea of building Ford uh, with Dwayne Dedman trying to unlock what he showed in Atlanta and number two you know you're you're giving Sacramento quite a bit of cap flexibility going into right. this summer and they've got they got to make a decision on uh, Bogdanovich and. I just can't imagine that they don't want to re-sign him. I think it's just right now we can't re-sign him because of the the contract we just we handed out to Harrison Barnes and the contract that uh, the the that Buddy Hill just just got his extension, which kicks in next year, starts at twenty six million dollars. So uh -huh. you give them enough breathing room where they can sign uh, on Bogdanovich, and then a year down the road in the summer of twenty one, they got to make a decision on Rashawn Holmes, who's been excellent, maybe their best player uh, in in spots this season. He'll be in unrestricted free agent in the summer of 21 so you do create some breathing room for them and i think you can get an asset on top of a player that you can kind of build forward with so yeah that trade makes some sense another thing i like about that trade us getting 
Deadman, yes, you're taking a risk in the sense that if if he doesn't turn out to be the Atlanta Hawk Deadman, at least you're getting a second round pick from Golden State, who in all likelihood probably is going to have the first the first pick. And uh, Dwayne Dedman actually got fined $50,000 by the NBA for publicly demanding a trade. So Dwayne Dedman definitely wants out of Sacramento. And uh, he's just not happy enough to sit on the bench and get $13 million a year. He, he wants to come out and play. And I think that if he can uh, continue his three-point shooting prowess from behind the arc and he's, he continues with his rebounding and his defending, I do think it makes some sense. It's just going to be interesting to see how him and Cody – uh, would be on you know on the team next year, both of them. Who would be the starter? I would assume Cody, but if Dwayne Dedman is upset about his playtime, I'm hoping that doesn't become an issue. I, I don't view him as that type of player, but he did publicly demand and get fined 50k by the NBA. And one more, yeah, one more quick thing on Dedman. I mean, I, I love to see that out of a guy who just got paid, right? Right. Like he he didn't just get paid. Now it's just accepting the fact that he's fallen out of a rotation. Oh, I got paid, so. Who cares? Now, this is a guy who still believes in this ability. That's why he's speaking out. He's frustrated. I, I, I would view that as a positive if I'm Charlotte. I mean, like, this is a guy I want to bring in because we have an opportunity for him here. So, anyways, I just wanted to throw that in. All right, let's get to the favorite part of the show for you. This is not necessarily my favorite part, but I'm going to present a couple of fake trades, one by British Buzz and then one by myself, and then maybe you can throw in some of yours. Let's try to keep them fair, realistic, Obviously, the, the chances of these actual trades happening uh, before the deadline, probably not going to happen, but it's fun to talk about nonetheless. So let's let's actually get to uh, British Buzz's first proposed trade here. Andrew Wiggins plus Josh Okogie plus a first round pick in the 2021 draft for two expiring contracts of Biz and Marvin. I think that... The first time I ever heard any trade rumors with Wiggins, it was always surrounded with Wiggins and Batum. You know, Batum and Wiggins have very similar contracts. Wiggins just happens to go, I think, an extra season or maybe two more seasons, if I'm not mistaken. Clearly, Wiggins might have more potential, and he actually started off the season fairly strong, and you also get a good defender in a Kogi. But again, is it worth it tying up your cap for a couple of extra seasons with Wiggins just to get a first-round pick and a Kogi uh, and giving away two expiring contracts. This one I kind of go back and forth on. I just don't know if I want Wiggins on this roster for that long. I agree. I, I mean, like in theory, you're getting a 21 first-round draft pick. It's Minnesota. That could be a really good draft pick depending on if, it, if it's unprotected of course uh or top four or top five whatever like it could be pretty valuable and and obviously charlotte owns all their first round draft picks moving forward so you'd have really two pretty good bites of the apple that year but like the reason i don't think charlotte would do it is just because the you know this experiment they've gone through with nick batum and it being dead money for like two and a half years at you know at over 25 million dollars that's just that's that I think that really has an effect on a front office. And I know Mitch Kupchak didn't didn't sign that contract. Obviously, that was Rich Cho, but he inherited that deal and he's at, he's gonna have to live through multiple years of that contract for a player that really doesn't bring you anything on the floor. He's he's barely played at the beginning of the season. So not that Andrew Wiggins would be dead money to that extent, but he's getting paid through 22, 23, 33 million dollars. Like I 
I just don't think that would be assuming that Charlotte's saying we know this is going to be like a five-year rebuild. We know we're so far down the road. We're just willing to take on this big number and and stack the assets. Whereas I just that's not going to be Michael Jordan's approach. I'm sorry. I, I think I think he's be willing to accept and admit, uh, it, it, you know, in a closed door room that yeah, we're in a rebuild phase, but not that long of a rebuild phase. I mean, Andrew Wiggins' contract, regardless of the steps he's taken forward certainly towards the beginning of this season so far this year is not worth that number it's got to be one of the hardest contracts if not the hardest contract um not name chris paul to trade in the entire league right now yeah and actually wiggins this season has shown some spark as playing that de facto point guard and so there's some positives out there as a player and i think there's still intrigue as this guy who came in the league four or five years ago what was he the was he the number one overall pick is that what he was Wiggins, yes, yeah. For Wiggins was drafted first by Cleveland, by Cleveland. right? Yeah. And traded, yeah. So, yeah, yeah. It, but to your point, uh, you know, having that Nick Batum experience probably sours the front office a little bit, and knowing that if this doesn't work out again, you're hanging up your rebuild for two more extra seasons than Batum as he falls off the following season. I actually have a trade for you that I came up with. And I think a lot of uh, Hornets fans are wanting draft picks coming our way. But in this trade scenario, I actually am sending out a first-round pick. But you, you let me know. I, I think this is fairly realistic in the sense that I think it's a fair trade for both teams. I'm not saying it's happening, but here it is. Hornets receive Miles Turner, and then the Pacers will receive Marvin Williams, a first-round pick, and a second round pick, whether you want the first round pick this year and then the second round pick next year or vice versa. So we're giving away two draft picks, one of them being a first round pick. And the reason I'm, I'm saying this, I think Miles Turner and Domas in Indiana, they those two are, they're working well together, but I think that Domas is clearly the better player between the two of them. And he's also signed for one more season. He's going to be the Pacers big of their future. And the fit with Turner might get a little bit tricky kind of moving forward. They also get a veteran presence uh, in Marvin Williams, I know, just for a season. And uh, they'll get two draft picks. So I, I think there's something in it for them. For us, we get a center, 23 years old, of the future, uh, defensive-minded. He can run the pick-and-pop game. I don't know, like, Spencer, is there someone in this year's draft where, okay, let's just say we draft number five. Is there someone at yep. five this year that you're like, yeah, this guy will definitely be better than Miles Turner? I, I know drafts are always a crapshoot, but this draft is down. So if, if there's a first-round pick that you want to give up, maybe you give it up this year. And there's not a free agent out there that you're going to want to compete with others to try to uh, get that center of the future that's going to be anywhere than you know near the caliber of Turner so and also Pacers yeah. don't have a first round draft pick this year so it's only a second round pick so if they wanted a first round pick they can get it from us uh, and it would be uh, a pretty high pick so do you think that's realistic? I like this. No, this is thinking exactly the way that Charlotte's front office should be and, and hopefully is thinking I mean Miles Turner is a young center uh, who showed flashes obviously in this league I think you said it exactly right if you're going to trade a first round pick this year's draft which you never know how it's going to play out but it looks pretty awful right now um, I mean there are certainly some players with intrigue um, that could slide 
But I agree with you. It's not like you're taking on a $25 million uh, center here. You know, he's, he's owed 18 million. I mean, his contract's flat. 18 million. You get him for three more years. You have his bird rights. He's young. Indiana's a little bit of a pickle here. They just, they can, they can scream all they want that we're moving forward with both these guys, but nobody believes it. All right. It's just not, at some point, they got to make a decision. There's a fork in the road here. You know, you help them out, throw them an expiring contract. I mean, Indiana has a guaranteed total next next season going into next season uh, as of right now at about $123 million. So they're going to be a tax team, uh, or at least they're projected to be pretty dang close to that right now. So you give them some flexibility. Um, yeah, and if you're going to part ways with a first-round pick, like you said, it needs to be this year. I think this is a good trade. I, I always get a little queasy when you're in a rebuilding phase. Trading away picks, yeah. Part, yeah, part, part ways with a pick. But, you know, look, as much money as you're really saving, as much flexibility as you're giving Indiana here, they might throw you back a second or just something uh, just to kind of sweeten it and say, okay, this makes sense for us. But Indiana's going to play hard to get with Miles Turner. Mm-hmm, they just mm-hmm. are. They're going to want something back that they can build, uh, move forward with and build with. And they'll probably give you the, we want a real player. We don't want the idea of a player, you know. Yeah. Uh, and we always talk about a, that. Yeah. The the idea of a draft pick is is sometimes worth more. Uh, and, and Brian always says this until you draft. It's, it's almost like a car. Like it, it's worth the most on the car lot, but once when you drive it off the lot, it loses some value. So a first round draft pick, right. it, it seems it seems like a great idea, uh, but once when you kind of uh, draft that player, uh, that's when it starts to go down. So I, I feel like this first round draft pick that we could you know, use obviously the draft itself is not that great, but I still feel, feel like a team might be tempted to go after a first round draft pick this year, especially the Pacers who don't even have a first round pick. So that's a good point. All right. So, so this is my, what is this? My favorite hypothetical. Is yeah, that what sure. we're doing? All right. Well, this one isn't that complex. I mean, I really like the complexity of, your, of yours and, and how you're thinking about it. I'm going to go, well, I've got two. Okay. I've got two and I locked, so I'm going to do them both. I'll go through the first one quick. Malik Monk to Denver for Malik Beasley. And the reason I like this is because Malik Beasley, a guy that Denver is, <laughs> I think, screaming to the league right now that we're not going to resign. Uh, he'll be a restricted free agent this summer. I think that if you're Charlotte and you say, you know, obviously you're going to want something back. You're going to give them a little bit of, of financial flexibility because Monk's not a restricted free agent until a summer from now. So you want to pick back. Would they part ways for, with their first round pick? Probably not. But look into their chessboard, see what assets they have moving forward. Maybe they'll give you a protected first round pick in 22, 20, whatever it is. Um, so they kind of push back that decision uh, of re-signing a guy on a rookie contract for one year. Uh, and they are in... They got a financial crunch coming up, and then we get a guy who we could, you know, we could spend our cap space on this summer, uh, and actually give him a role in the second half of the season where we can figure out is this a guy that fits in our system or not. But that's also a value proposition for Charlotte. How much value do they put Malik Monk? Are you, are you going to take a guy in Beasley who, who you're not real sure exactly what it is or what he is, and give up on a guy like Monk who, in a vacuum, in theory, is the same kind of player? So just it pushes the decision back a season for Denver Charlotte can get an asset on top of Beasley and I, I, I just kind of believe in Beasley. like I think he's I think he'd be a good player in this league and I think he's worthy of Charlotte maybe spending some of that cap space this summer to get a guy on a, on a decent value contract but 
you know, we have Terry Rozier, we have Devontae Graham. We're a little crowded at that position, so it gets gets tricky. So that's my first one. My second one is Marvin Williams and Malik Monk to San Antonio for Rudy Gay and then Lonnie Walker. So it's really a, a Monk-Lonnie Walker swap okay. or rookie contract, okay? Well, but obviously Lonnie Walker has a few more years left on his rookie contract than Monk. And then and Rudy Gay has at least one season left on his deal, if not two. I looked this up earlier. But anyways, you throw them uh, an expiring contract that gives them some financial flexibility, which I think they need. No assets needed here. We're just going to do a a monk for Walker swap. We'll take on some extra years of Rudy Gay uh, and give you Marvin Williams and, and give you some uh, financial flexibility going into this summer. So that's my favorite one because I, I, I just, I'm a Lonnie Walker believer. Yeah. Um, and, and I think this is how you could leverage Malik Monk into getting a player that's even a little bit younger. You keep your payroll cheap and to somebody you can build forward with into the future. So, so you like that one better than the first one you, you, you suggested. Yeah, I think, I mean, I, I've been locked into Beasley for a while. Like how can Charlotte figure out a way to get him? But the argument would be like, well, why would they trade for him now? when they could just sign him this summer. Well, use a guy like Monk to, to bring in an extra asset. The trade's only worth it if they can get, you know, Denver to part ways with a, you know, a protected first rounder moving forward, which they, they probably can't. So that's a pie in the sky yeah. idea. But I do like this Marvin plus Monk for Rudy Gay and Lonnie Walker because I, I think Lonnie's the kind of guy you'd want to plug into what Charlotte's trying to do right now. Right. Versatile backcourt player, explosive athlete, can shoot it. Can handle has, it. Can handle it has showed some playmaking chops like in spots but san antonio just like they don't have a clearly defined role for him uh right now with Derek white and dejounte murray like they're, they're kind of crowded there so uh, if i was charlotte i'd be trying to figure out a way to pry him out of san antonio yeah i, I like both of those trades i feel like i like the malik beasley one more i just I, I like trades that have less strings attached meaning less future salary so the one straight up malik beasley for monk obviously there's not as much long-term salary there, you know, get Beasley who can shoot the ball from behind the arc. And I feel like he's a fairly good defender, if I'm not mistaken. It seems like you're willing to get rid of Monk probably quicker than maybe I am. And I, I think that we both ranked him high up. Uh, and I think th- think we both said first overall yeah. in terms, or no, second overall in terms yeah. of getting him moved. Yeah, I mean, look, I, Malik Monk's like made a, a big jump this year. Right. And I, I, I mean... I applaud him and his development along with everybody else. I mean, his playmaking he's shown has really been a bright spot. He's still not shooting the ball like like we we know he can. We saw it in college. This is year three of that now. And, yes, he's made strides as a defender, but his ceiling on that end just isn't very high. So my thing with Malik Monk is I just don't think his ceiling is all that high for an NBA player. I think he can come off the bench, give you some points, give you some playmaking. But, like, Charlotte should be shopping him and the idea – of him for a future starter. And like, I think Frank Nealakina could be a future starter in this league. I think Lonnie Walker can absolutely be a future starter in this league. I don't think Malik Monk is. I, I just don't think his ceiling's that high. I've seen enough of a sample. And when I can, you know, when I add everything up for both ends of the floor, I'm just like, yeah, this development's nice, but he's still not shooting the ball well at all right. and has it in his entire career. And he's not going to be a plus on the defensive end. So, like, I just think that's where, as a fan base, we kind of overvalue what his ceiling is. So I'm trying to look at it realistically. But I do think that there's a team out there that if if they could gain some financial flexibility along with getting a player like Monk into their system, that would be attractive to them. And that's what we were talking about earlier, packaging him with one of our expirings. And so that's why I like this Marvin Monk. 
uh, Rudy Gay, Lonnie Walker. And while we're on, I just pulled up the uh, the Spurs spreadsheet. So Rudy Gay's owed for about fourteen and a half million next year. So you save them that, which is big because they've got. Well, they got quite a few cap holds this summer to deal with, uh, guaranteed total or inclusive total about 123 million. So you really give them some pretty significant flexibility there. And all you're asking them to do is is part ways with Lonnie Walker, who they don't have room for with with Derek White and Dejounte Murray in the backcourt, anyways. Yeah, that's a good point about Monk in the, in the sense that if you do make a, a challenge trade, as you call it, it's just a straight-up young player for young player, uh, that might not be the way to go. If you can somehow leverage Monk in attaching him to a Marvin Williams or attaching him to a, a Biz and giving a team flexibility uh, and you know down the road, you know may, maybe we can get back someone of, of the caliber that's a little bit higher than Malik Monk. Uh, but I, to be honest with you, I, I still like that Monk and, and Beasley trade. I think maybe I value Beasley a little bit more overall, just an overall player better than Monk. But, you know, who knows? Who knows? Uh, any last thoughts, Spencer? Anything that you, any predictions, anything about the Hornets uh, as they approach this deadline? Yeah, I, I'll just throw a few more fun ones out here that I, that I worked up earlier. Yeah, yeah, real quick. We'll just we'll zoom through them. This one's somewhat intriguing. I came up with this one just before we jumped on. Malik Monk and, and MKG's $13 million expiring for Gary Harris, who's had a disappointing season in Denver. You know, you, you take a guy in. Now, he's on a long-term deal. He got extended by Denver off his rookie contract, so I don't have it pulled up, but I think it's like 14, 15, 16 is what he's going to make in the next few years. So, you know, just kind of a, a make-good opportunity for Gary Harris. You get a guy into your system, they, you know, Denver gets way cheaper with Malik Monk. Um, so I think that one's fun. I think that, you know, if you want to think on more, more, you know, general simple terms, Marvin for Courtney Lee, um, you know, from Dallas right. for that Golden State second rounder. We already mentioned that one. Sorry. No, you're good. Uh, and then the last the last one I had here is and we kind of talked about this variation a second ago, but just Marvin for Rudy Gay, save San Antonio that um, 14 and a half million. And maybe, maybe see if they'll they'll give you their first round pick if they don't think this draft's going to be good either. You know, so those are just some ones I kind of worked up earlier. Um, but in terms of the draft, uh, you know, I, I'm intrigued with Anthony Edwards over everybody else right now um, that I'm watching. I still need to to watch the Europeans more closely, but I don't know, man. Anthony Edwards, there's some questions about his motor, it's question about his basketball IQ, but he started playing very late in his life. Um, I don't think he started playing basketball. Like seriously, until he was like 15 or 16 years old. He's always a football player before that. Like when that guy just puts his, when he just makes up his mind, he's going to the cup or, you know, he puts you in that blender and he gets to his pull up. He makes the game look so easy. Like I, all the advanced stats don't like him. Right. Uh, really just his raw stats in a vacuum aren't great. Uh, you watch him play, and you're like, man, where's his motor? Like, why is he just, why is he floating out there on both ends from time to time? Um, but when he makes his mind up, there's no question he is the he is the best prospect in this draft. And man, do I hope that Charlotte finds their way to like four or five, and he slides because I just believe in his potential, um, and I think he's going to get. I think there is something to him. There's something to the idea that he didn't start playing basketball later in life because he's a good kid. He's high character. You hear that about him, but it's just like, how do we unlock uh, this dog in, in Anthony Edwards? And I think that's going to be the key. So I don't know, man. If we could find a way to land that kid, then I would tell you that this is not going to be a weak draft for Charlotte. Yeah, I think 
it feels like, you know, just based off of some of the things I've seen on Twitter and online, obviously I'm not watching Georgia basketball, uh, and I probably won't until closer to, to, you know, February and March, but it feels like a lot of people are down on him. And I feel like if people are down on Edwards, who seems to be coming into this season, the top prospect, and they're already down on this draft. And I, I understand, you know, just looking at this guy, he just looks like an NBA player. He's that type of guy that steps off the bus and you know that he can be on an NBA court one day. But uh, that's why I threw out that trade about getting rid of that first round draft pick and picking up Miles Turner. I think there's some players out there like a Miles Turner that you could maybe pick up a, a youngish player that may not fit right now with their team or maybe in the future there's going to be some kind of uh, difficulties with that. So that's kind of why I threw out that trade. Uh, I don't think it's the worst thing in the world to trade away a first round draft pick in this year's draft. Again, I'm not no, I'm not a, an aficionado with the draft, but. Uh, Thanks again, guys, for uh, tuning in to another Buzz Beat. Uh, again, the Hornets will be playing, uh, as you're listening to this, probably today at 3 p.m. in France. Uh, then they'll have several days off before they play the Knicks uh, back in Charlotte on the 28th. And real quick, Richie, don't uh, you are. You're no, absolutely no, no. aficionado with the draft. I mean, you were the first one to lay eyes on Shake Milton. Yes. And, I, and I'll tell you, I was laying in my hotel room last night and watched him nail three triples and it was like Richie was the first one to see this guy of anybody. Yeah. So don't yeah. don't sell yourself short. Yeah. No. You you know how to find talent. I, I try to find diamonds in the rough and people with awesome names. So uh, <laughs> that guy from Dayton, what's his name? Uh, Toppin. Yeah. That's 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 Obi my guy. Hey, yeah. That guy's gonna be a lottery pick, man. He can really play. Versatile, versatile, big. Yeah. Runs the floor like a deer. I love his game. Yeah. Well, as always, guys, uh, we appreciate you guys for listening. Give us a five star rating and review on Apple Podcast uh, for Spencer. I am Richie, and we will see you guys next time. Go Hornets. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.